Amen. Amen. So I thought we'd continue what we started last time in talking about the fruit of faith. Amen. The fruit of faith. And uh, we know that faith has uh, certain components to it. In Hebrews uh, chapter 11, we have a good working definition of faith. We know that faith is confidence, it's assurance, and it's assurance of things that <clears throat> are real in the unseen realm. So your healing is real in the unseen realm. Amen. Amen. Your prosperity, the things that you desire for life and godliness, they're real in the unseen realm. Uh, there is a reason that God keeps things in the unseen realm. I don't understand all of it, but I do know that um, uh, sometimes what's seen is kind of taken for granted. It's, it's something that happens in your your carnal mind and your soul when things are uh, normal and expected. We're always looking for something that we don't have yet. You know, human beings are made that way. And that, that would account for a lot of the things that we uh, um, encounter in life that are, are not good for us. Uh, for instance, if, if married people kind of go through this, if you don't understand and have a good relationship with God and know what marriage really is about and learn how to keep your marriage uh, strong and keep it secure and stay comfortable in your marriage relationship, you'll kind of make up your own reason for being married. Now, listen, y'all better get with me. I have to go down that street, okay? See y'all back there holding your breath. You might as well exhale and let's keep it moving. But people uh, have their own ideas about marriage. Uh, I I see why God would have certain people be prominent uh, in situations. I was thinking about the Duggar family having a traditional Christian marriage. While it may look boring and uninteresting to carnal people, uh, it is what marriage is about. Marriage was created to bring stability to human beings. Marriage creates stability, a stable place for you to raise your children. You want your children to be raised secure, not insecure. Marriage provides a foundation and a carbon copy for the rest of society, where the rest of society can look at one man, one woman, for life. But see, if you don't understand that about marriage, you'll think it's just until you feel quit feeling good about that person or quit feeling good about yourself and then move on to something else. And so I think we have to understand that about God understanding us as as people, uh, carnal people who are being brought into the knowledge of his kingdom. And so as we come into a knowledge of his kingdom, then we are commanded by God to let go of the old life. Amen. And so the old life would entail things like getting bored with your life the way it is and looking for something else. And and just to break that boredom, sometimes we'll trade any, anything for anything. You know, and so that's why God keeps most of what we have in the unseen realm, because to put it in the seen realm brings it into the ordinary, the commonplace, the everyday. And then we're looking for something else that we haven't seen yet. Amen. You know, you you can tell when uh, when you have uh, your kids get new toys. 
They used to love that one thing you, the last thing you bought them, they loved it. Now you bring something new in, and all of a sudden that's over in the corner like it doesn't mean anything anymore, and they're off to the next new thing. And so thank God that he already takes that into account, and by faith you can move on to the next new thing. And that's why we don't like it, too, because we can't see it. Amen. And know exactly what it looks like, what it's, we can't experience it yet, but yet we can experience it in a measure because of our faith. So God doesn't leave you totally disconnected from what you're believing him for. He gives you assurance, confidence, and evidence that it really exists. So it's like a great, um, I guess, you know, a, a kind of a game. You know, we got clues to what he has out there for us. Your first clue is his word. That's where you first come into contact with the things that God has for you. And stay in the word regarding it. Don't go into the word, find something you want, and then come outside and look at something out there in the natural and decide that's what it is. No game playing with God, you got me? If you start out with God in faith, then stay with him in faith. Many times you'll be tempted to say it's never going to happen because it hasn't shown up yet. But he has given you evidence that it's there. So stay with the evidence. Follow the evidence. Follow the faith clues. Follow your your uh, your word and follow your understanding of what God has for you. And then you'll find everything. There's so many things that God has planned for us that are pleasant surprises. You know, we want to make a, a, a chore out of everything. Believing God and trusting God from day to day can be the greatest adventure in your life. If you look at it that way, amen, it can be full of uh, unexpected pleasant things. You look in the Bible and God talks about giving us the desires of our hearts. Hallelujah. Glory. Yeah. All right. Amen. And so when we think about the things that God has stored up for us, don't think about it in dread. Oh, it's going to take so long. Oh, it didn't happen yet. Oh, this, oh, that. But stay on the hunt with your faith. Amen. Stay on the faith hunt. Amen. So that you can you can see and you can perceive and you can appreciate everything God's doing. Uh, through the walk of faith. So in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith <clears throat> is confidence in what we hope for. This is the NIV. The Bible. Since lets us know it's real, that it really does exist. And this is what differentiates faith in God from human wishing. Well, human wishing can can go from one thing to the next thing. We'll say things like, well, I used to want to be a lawyer when I grew up, but then I found out how much schooling it take, took and how much money it would cost, so I decided to be a forensic technician instead. You know, we're in the same game. We're in the same ballpark. And so, uh, you know, and so wishes, human wishes change. Your carnal thinking is subject to change. Why? Because it's based on the seen realm. And the seen realm is always changing. 
many times we'll talk about people who, you know, you need to prepare yourself for future careers. So we'll find out what careers are going to uh, command what kind of money in the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. And we'll kind of gear our plans toward meeting those needs for the future. And that just makes common sense. But suppose God tells you, well, I've called you to be X. And you look and see where X won't be in demand. Does God know something the statisticians don't know? Hmm? See, that's always a dilemma, folks. Do I trust God and his word or do I go what's known in the scene realm? God may want to revolutionize that uh, that career or that mode of living through somebody and he's chosen you to do it. So you just never know. So So my thing is always stay with what you don't know, and that is what's coming from God. Amen. You can only see a glimpse of it, but you know it's out there. You know it's out there somewhere. And it does exist in God. It exists in the realm of his kingdom of glory. So faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is always in the unseen. Amen. Always in the unseen. And that has lends an air of excitement to life. You know, oh boy, this is something I've never experienced before, something I've never seen before. Instead of looking at it in dread like we are, oh boy, here we go again. Got to believe God. Got to pray. Got to read my word. You know, all that stuff. Uh, it can be a very, very exciting life for you because God's in it. So it says, it says, this is what the ancients were commended for. So the King James says, by faith, the elders or the patriarchs in the Bible, people we read about in the Bible, they received a good report. So that's what you want. You want a good report from God. You want God to think well of you. You want God to be pleased with you. Amen. So we can also say, by faith, the elders uh, pleased God. Good report and pleasing God are the same thing. By faith, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God or the universe was formed at God's command so that things that are seen were made out of things that are not visible, not things that did not exist. These things exist. God exists. The Bible says he who comes to God must believe, number one, that he is alive. He exists and he is real. Hmm? If you're believing in a wood, a stone, or a carved idol, that's not the God that we're talking about here. If you're believing in a statue, that's not the God we're talking If you're even believing in a a face on a crucifix that's not who we're talking we're talking about a guy who is now alive amen he came down off that cross and he raised up and he lives now forever and so that's the god we're talking about he says too so we we know first number one and we talked about this one through faith we have understanding part of the fruit of faith is understanding you understand a whole lot more now than you did before you met the Lord. Huh? 
faith gives you understanding gives you a confidence and an assurance and a, um, a peace. Understanding makes you not anxious about everything. If you understood the fear that's being perpetrated on most people in the world today, you'll appreciate this more. You think about the average, what they call millennial, young person, uh, under 30 years of age. They believe that we are destroying the earth every day just by breathing, just by being here. We're destroying the earth. And so there's this great panic now to stop the destruction of the earth. And they don't understand that God already has the earth on a time schedule that cannot be altered. And it's all in God's control. So man can do nothing to stop it. You got me? Man really didn't start it. Man just has the, the, see, what we need to do as human beings is partner with God in making sure that the earth produces the way God says it's supposed to produce. It's supposed to take care of man if man will take care of it. But you know the main way of taking care of the earth, y'all know, don't you? It's living a righteous life. Sin is what's destroying the earth. Are they kidding me? Get up out the bed with that person you ain't married to. Get up out the bed with your same-sex partner. So, but see, when we tell them that, then we're haters. We don't love people. Huh? The Bible says that. The earth is vomiting up its inhabitants because of sin. Why did God destroy the earth with the flood the first time? Because man was exceeding sinful and he was done with him. Let me find me some righteous people and start all over again. Uh, but see, nobody wants to understand that. But the Christian under by faith, we understand. Uh, I got very much confidence in God on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If we could get people to live right, we'd have we'd have less greed among people who do possess. We'd have more understanding how to get areas that are drought stricken to produce. Get get rid of your voodoo. Get rid of your witch doctors. Get rid of your idols. And that land will produce for you because the righteous God will come in and help you to cause it to be productive. So don't give me your global warming destroying the earth nonsense. Just go somewhere until you're really ready to straighten up. Huh? The people who are preaching it the most are using up the most carbon. Look at all. They all got private jets. They all go all over the world whenever they want to. They do what they want to do, but then they make the people who don't have any power feel like you can't use a piece of toilet paper of your own choosing. Or a light bulb. Well, I see y'all believe in that stuff probably. By faith, you you got understanding in God. There are people that don't have much education, but they're smart enough to look through that stuff uh, and see it's a bunch of nonsense. You can find a homeless person on the street with one sheet out of a Bible tell you more than you ever want to know. 
could put all the smart people to shame. So it, it doesn't take. The Bible says the entrance of God's word gives light and gives understanding to the simple. You don't have to be a whole lot of book smart to understand enough in God to, to worship him and serve him. And no more than somebody who thinks the world's going to come to an end if they use extra toilet paper. So faith understanding is very important. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things that are made or things that are visible were made from things that are not visible. That's God. He brings the invisible to the visible realm. That's him. That's how he does things. He says also, by faith, uh, in verse uh, for Abel brought God a better or more excellent offering than Cain did. And by faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though he's dead. So faith allows us to do excellent things. Faith always, faith is always Pushing us to do better. Your carnal man is satisfied with a little bit of nothing. Huh? See, this is why faith people either bring us under shame, conviction, condemnation, or we just get mad at them. Because they never have enough of a good thing. And that's faith. See, that's not greed. That's faith. That's not wastefulness. That's faith. See, faith is causing, because God does things in perfection, if you have the faith of God in you, he is always pushing you and nudging you to do a better job, do perfection, do great things, notice the right things. You know, in my house, I'll notice everything. If it's dirt in the corner too long, I notice it. it is, you know, you know, because faith in God, God lives in me. He likes a clean house. And I ain't talking about no Nisi Nash show. I'm talking about a clean house that's kept all the time. You clean your own house. That's what he likes. Amen. And so he, he, he likes excellent things. He will cause you, and you know, some people say, well, she think her house too good for people. You see, she always picking up stuff and, you know, you can't even sit on the floor and sit in the floor, put your feet on the floor. Well, I'll have come and straighten his stuff up all the time. Well, maybe she got the spirit of God in her that likes excellence. You slob. You need to learn something from people sometimes. No, people aren't doing things. That, you're not the center of the world. Nobody's straightening up their house to make you feel uncomfortable. Are you crazy? Huh? My mother used to get mad at me. You got somebody to come clean your house. Yeah, so what? <laughs> Trying to bust me on my little household help. I want it clean. If I don't feel like doing it, I, but you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I started, and I, I'm not trying to make excuses because I don't have to make an excuse for the way I do things. It's excellent. It's excellent. If I want to pay somebody, it's my money to pay somebody with. But I got accustomed to doing it because I ran out of time to do it the way I wanted to do it. I had two jobs and went to school. 
and a husband who whined all the time. Yes, Lord, I say he whined all the time because I always wanted this. Well, Gigi knows the whole this. She'll tell you. But, but there were certain ways we wanted to live, and it required more energy than I was willing to put up or forth or had time to put up with. So you delegate small things to people. That's how you learn how to manage things. That's how I learned how to run a ministry, delegating small things to people. But the housekeeper started teaching us how to keep house. She said, now listen, she'd be sitting there smoking her cigarette, her and Aubrey having coffee and cigarettes in the morning. I'm trying to get dressed. What am I, chopped liver? And so she said, now let me tell you how you're going to do this. See, if y'all would, would straighten up this, 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 and this, when I come, see, it takes me an hour to do that, and I have to charge all the extra whatever she was charging the hour. She said, if you do that, it would take me half the time. You wouldn't have to pay me as much. So you know she's talking to tight husband. He's going to do whatever it takes. So he started cleaning up better than I did. I said, now, why didn't I do this a long time ago? You understand what I'm saying? So you can get some wisdom out of things. But but God taught me how to, even though you're limited, and see, I hear women complain, I don't have time to do this. And see, I know better. I know you can get it done if you want to do it. You understand me? Take some of that money you make at your job if you don't have enough time to clean your home and pay somebody to come in and clean it. If you want a clean house, amen? If you want to live in a pigsty, do that. But I, I refuse to live like that. Amen. I refuse to live like that because the spirit of God is excellent in me. You got me? So I live out of that spirit of excellence, and I know God expects that too. So when people, somebody rings the doorbell, I don't have to run and start throwing stuff and hiding it under the rug and all that nonsense. I'm very comfortable at all times. So for those of you who are scared of a doorbell ringing, Take heart. <laughs> There's a way to get everything done. Amen. One thing I didn't delegate was the cooking. We didn't do McDonald's. We didn't do uh, fast food. We didn't do none of that. We had cooked meals, and I cooked them all. Huh? I wanted to get rid of the shirt ironing, but my husband wouldn't let me. Huh? He said, I like the way you do them. I said, who is he talking to? Huh? Oh, me? Sure. All right. I used to just iron the the the, the front because he wore a suit coat all day long. Then I got busted with wrinkles on the backs of the shirts one day. And so, but God taught me how to iron a whole shirt and feel good about it. Do you understand me? So God can show you how to do excellent things. Amen. God showed me how to make sure I didn't have dirty corners in the on the you know smooth floors you know you get a brush and get down there and scrape them corners out if you got ceramic tiles sometimes you have to wash those by hand i watched somebody that was cleaning my house do that one time sandy brown came over and she wanted to bless me because we had had her preach at our first conference and she said i used to do this for a living she's almost so something into your life and she did that. She got down on her hands and knees and wiped all the fireplace, all that ceramic tile down. I said, I never knew it would look so good. You know what I'm saying? Because she could see I didn't know. But she blessed me to show me to do that. And so these are, amen, these are things, these are excellent things, amen, that people will do 
And and you can learn from that. Amen. You can learn from that. You can always learn something and learn how to do something more. Now, I don't know why I got stuck on housework, but that's where we landed today. Amen. So God is concerned about excellence in everything that you do. Everything. Even though I, I taught myself to cook and be what I consider to be a good cook, I can still learn more. Amen. So I I try to do excellent things on that. I try to make things excellent. The girls will tell you if, if we plan a meal here, oh, we left some. I said, nope, we're going to do that. We're not going to leave anything off of what we plan to do because pretty soon we won't be doing nothing around here. You got me? And so it's good to keep that standard within you that you accomplish these things. If you plan to do them and you set out to do them, let's get them done. There's no reason why we can't get them done. So the spirit of excellence will cause you to do that. And really, when you make a mistake and you may fall short, you know, God will cover you in these things. He'll make it so that nobody even notices you understand me? And, and, and he, he really covers you if he knows your heart is toward being excellent. So that's excellent things. Some of you parents, you have excellence planned for your children. And you know if you let them go to bed and not com- accomplish what they're supposed to do. I remember my mother getting up us out, out of that bed saying, uh-uh, you sweep that floor. You don't leave a nasty floor in here overnight. You get up and you do that. Now, some some people, yeah, it's just mean. Let them sleep. No, if I let them sleep, you know what the Bible is. Proverbs is full of negative uh, stories about people who sleep too much. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and your poverty will come upon you. You want your kids to be broke all their life? You teach them how to do excellent things. Because you can tell the little crafty ones, they go to sleep. Mom ain't going to come in here again. Oh, yeah, you will. Huh? <laughs> She'll wait till you go to sleep and come wake you up and make you get up and do it. So you learn. You learn. And they'll be thankful in the long run. And if not, they'll just learn how to do things right. Amen? So uh, faith causes us to offer up. And remember, everything you do, you're doing it before God. God is your judge about what you do. He's your rewarder. See, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. You know why his sacrifice was excellent? It was what was required. That's all he was doing, what he's supposed to do. And God called it excellent. God requires what he, the, whatever he tells us to do, it's excellent in the doing of it. And so it's an excellent offering we offer up to God. If you do what's in your heart, that's why he says, do things as you purpose in your heart to do. Because your heart, because you belong to God and he dwells in your heart, your heart won't lie to you. It'll tell you to do the right thing and it'll tell you to do the appropriate thing. And it'll cause you to do the thing that God honors. Amen. So you won't get in trouble for doing it if you do as you purpose in your heart. But if you continue to deny what's in your heart, you'll never get the results of God. You'll never get his best and you won't get his good report. Just just continue to follow what's in your heart to do and allow God to do these things for you. And, and he helps you with this stuff. Amen. And you'll get your reward for it. So God won't shortchange you. He won't cheat you. 
He will always bless you. But all he requires is is obedience. This is what he tells us to do. You don't have to do anything flamboyant and and showy and, you know, carrying on with stuff. Do what's required. You know, just do what's required. And and God will bless you and, and cause you to be judged faithful before him. So it'll give you a good report. And so so that was Hebrews 11.3. No, 4. Was that 4? Abel brought him more again. So he causes us to do excellent things. We said that. Cutting corners is not the fruit of faith. Doing things halfway, slipshod, roughshod. The faith-filled Christian joyfully goes the extra mile because faith is an excellent spirit. So the Christian, say for instance, God tells you, and we we go through this, and I'm, I'm going to get off excellence in a minute. I just, more things keep coming to me. But uh, when we we get bread from uh, Panera Bakery, and uh, we have to repackage it. It's just thrown together when we get it. And uh, the sweets are usually the worst because they, and I think to myself, I said, now see, these are young people who are making their way in life. And instead of them doing a good job themselves, if you if you treat it like garbage, why are you giving it to people? But yet they're the same people go out and march and say, we got to love the homeless and love everybody. But, you know, you go to your job at Panera and you throw stuff in a box and then give it to somebody, tell them to pass it out to the homeless and you would need it yourself. Got me? So we did we did talk to the manager and we reported. I took a picture of it and sent it and, and we talked to them. It gets better, but every now and then you get a devil in there that starts throwing it together again. Well, what God instructed me to do was make sure we had nice packaging to put it in so that it looked new. So if you can salvage something out of there that was in pretty good shape, repackage it so that when you present it to somebody that God wants to touch. See, this is a whole thing. You've got to understand God is touching people through what we do. When he tells his kids to get involved in something, he has you go the excellent route so that it can be presented to somebody with the touch of God on it. Because if they wanted stuff that looks like garbage, they could go dumpster diving. God's trying to bring them out of the dumpster dive and bring them into expecting good things in their life. You don't know. Somebody could be depressed and discouraged and say, God, if I don't, something doesn't happen like, and then we bring them something that looks like garbage. You think that lifts them up for the day? And so God wants excellent things to be presented to everybody from the least to the greatest because God's no respecter of persons. And so that's why we repackage it to make it look more presentable. Not just so much because we don't want to look bad because we're giving it to people, but you're representing God and what he wants people to experience. If they can say one thing, one thing I can say about them church people, when they brought that food here, it was nice, it was clean, it was wrapped nice, it didn't look picked over, it was decent food and it was fresh. 
you know. Don't let it sit at your house for four days and then bring it to the church, amen. You bring it when it's fresh and so it can be repackaged or frozen or whatever we have to do with it. So, the, And that's excellence. That's what God wants to project to people, folks. I'm not talking about it costing you an arm. But don't think excellence is money out of your pocket all the time. It has to have the touch of God on it. When it when God is done with you getting it purdied up, huh? Then He'll let you present it to somebody. Until then, you keep working at it and make sure it's presentable the way God wants it to be presentable. Amen. So with that's this is why you do what you do. Amen. This is why you do it. This is why you do it. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty in some things for God. Got me? Don't be scared. Just dive into some things. Maybe you've never plunged into a world you've never been in before. See if that'll bless you more. Amen. So, <clears throat> so by faith we are taught to do excellent things. Amen. A Christian will joyfully go the extra mile because faith is an excellent spirit. So in uh, Daniel 5, that's where we got this from, the Spirit of God was in Daniel. And so this is why Daniel uh, was the way that he was in Daniel 5 and verse um, 12. Uh, yeah. I think we read this story last time, right? Yeah, in the King James, it talks about when Daniel was commended by the queen. Anybody got a King James version for me? I had mine out and I had, you got one? Yeah, let me see it, sweetheart. Thank you so much. I won't take your Bible now. Don't come in and then she'll forget it and say, them people stole my, that preacher stole my Bible. Oh, nice and the letters are big. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Okay, let me find Daniel. I just like the way that King James described it. I was so familiar with that when I used some others just for for whatever, but I praise God. Let me find it. Come on, Daniel. So Daniel chapter 5, and the burgers are smelling good. I gave the boys the stink eye, you know. All right. <laughs> In verse 11, there is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom. Now, all of these things you possess, a spirit of faith. When you live by faith, you possess all of these attributes, light and wisdom. This is not just because Daniel was a prophet. We all have prophetic uh, giftings on the inside, some more, some less. And so you, you have the spirit of the prophet in you. It says that the days of the father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him, whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, your father, the king, I say, your father, made master of the magicians and astrologers, the Chaldeans and the soothsayers, for as much as an excellent spirit, fault whatsoever. So there's no fault in your faith. When you use your faith, there's no fault there. That's why the Bible uh, commends people who live by faith. Because it's a challenge sometimes. It's a challenge to ignore the seen and make the unseen more real to you. 
But we have to train ourselves to do that, don't we, as believers? If we're going to live by faith, we got to have it out there all the time. So an excellent spirit was found in him and knowledge and understanding and his prophetic gifts. So knowledge and understanding come with the spirit of faith. Interpretation and dreams, that came from his gifting as the prophet. But as be turned on accurately by faith. The Bible says you prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you a big secret. Every time we have the Rejoice Detroit or we have the conference, I sit there and I wonder, is God going to show up? And if I if I acted out what I felt like, I'd be a little nerve laying on the bottom of the floor by the time I got, they'd have to brand me the microphone down there on the floor sweating huh? but I've learned how to sweat under my skin hey that's prophet's trick amen you know what I mean you just but it's like Catherine Kuhlman said the same thing she paced back and forth behind the screen wondering wondering that's why prophets pace a lot he's just trying to feel and find God and pick up something wondering if it's going to show up because you know it says the spirit wills now, thank God he's willing all the time because he wants to talk to people. But if it ever shows up, he ain't there. He just ain't there. You understand what I'm saying? I can't fake it. And so you prophesy according to the proportion of your faith. When your faith is extinguished, you shut up. Got me? And Because so, I know y'all smart enough to figure out it wasn't God. I said, oh, boy, look who's out in the audience, you know, all the watchmen watching me. So, you know, you you just do that. You you turn it on. When God turns it on, you cooperate with that spirit, and then you shut it off. And so God will have you do things according to the proportion of your faith. Amen. I would love for somebody else who is a singer to sing the song of the Lord, but he doesn't give it to anybody else. So I figure God knows what he's doing, right? Amen. So he said, you don't want to hear people sing. You want to hear the prophecy. I said, oh, yeah. Oopsie, sorry. You understand what I'm saying? You'll understand these things if you step out and, and allow God to use you in them. So an excellent spirit was found in Daniel, and his spiritual gifts were controlled by the Holy Spirit as well. You don't want people who halfway prophesy, make it up, or make it all up. You got me? And so you want to have people that are going to give the word of the Lord when it's the word of the Lord and shut it off. That's what excellent does. It only obeys God and turns the stuff off when it's time to turn it off. So it causes us to do excellent things. Uh, the spirit of faith will also uh, cause you to respect God's spirit enough not to try and uh, promote yourself in the doing of these things. You got me? Uh, you have to learn with God how to manage your life as a believer and, and, and glorify God and not try to promote yourself as though the gift belonged to you. You know, the gift dwells in you, but it doesn't belong to you. You know, no matter what we have, it, it just doesn't belong to us. And so it's good to to allow God to be able to um, do 
do the things the way he wants to do them. And excellence bows before God. It does not try and overtake God or take credit for something that God is doing. It bows to God. So we we understand that. So uh, Daniel was excellent in this way. Uh, The Bible says he prayed three times a day. He did not defile himself with a king's food. So even though he had access to many things, he never indulged himself beyond what God was willing to allow him to do. And that really takes discipline. Because as much as Daniel was promoted in that kingdom, he was like the third, he was in charge over all of the so-called wise men, astrologers, et cetera, et cetera. And this was a mixed breed. Most of them were into the dark arts and witchcraft, and here he's a holy man, and he's got to manage all of these people. And so he was able to do that without compromising. That's why he prayed three times a day. Amen. <laughs> you got you to stay in the cut if you're going to stay holy. Amen. So he obeyed God's laws through faith and was elevated over all the rest of the wise men in the kingdom. Amen. He met every crisis through faith in God, every challenge through faith in God. When he was thrown into the lion's den, he was thrown in there because his spirit of excellence commanded him not to stop praying three times a day. And the Bible says he had the window open. Amen. And so when he knew there was a decree out against anybody who prayed to any God other than the God of the Chaldeans, but he did it anyway. And he was thrown into the lion's den. And the king who signed the decree honored Daniel so much that he fasted and prayed all night. He was the first one at the mouth of the lion's den that morning to make sure Daniel was okay. Amen. So even your enemies will be your benefactors. Amen. Amen. If you with an excellent spirit. There's something about doing things in a way without flaw that causes people to really trust you and God to be honored through what you do. And you don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to push your way and shove your way into anything. God will just open that door for you. So just humble yourself and walk through it. When your job is done, humble yourself and walk out and (laughs) keep it moving. Amen. And be thankful God showed up and they didn't get wise to your shenanigans. Amen. You you live to serve another day. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So in Hebrews 11, we see another fruit of faith. It says here, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear a child because she considered him faithful who had promised. So faith causes you to consider God faithful. Not worry so much about yourself. See, faith in God causes you to take yourself out of the equation more and depend more on what God does. Because if we're not careful, we'll start considering ourselves more of a liability than an asset. See, you feel good when you're, a, when you're an asset, but boy, when you mess up, and you think you're the, you know, you're the, the prime mover in the equation, then you get so down on yourself, you can't get your faith back together again. 
And so we have to take ourselves out of it totally. God, I'm just doing what you you tell me to do, and I'm believing you to the best of my ability. Amen. And I'm asking you to honor my prayers, honor my sacrifice, honor what I'm doing. But at the end of the day, you have to say, God, you told me to do that. And I've been obedient to you as much as I know. And I'm expecting you to come through for me. Amen. So so that's faith. Faith expects God to do what God has promised to do. It's not all God, but it's mostly him. Just trusting him means that you trust that if you've done what he told you to do, then you're okay. If you've obeyed God, then don't go snooping around trying to figure out what you didn't do. You got me? Just do what you know to do and do it to the best of your ability. Sometimes it's very small things that we think are not important that really move the hand of God. And he won't tell you exactly what thing it is. That caused him to to bless you. Because he knows if he did that, we'd start doing our little witchcraft again. I'm going to quit doing this because he ain't giving me nothing for that. He giving you some for everything you do in response to him. Just keep doing the right thing. Amen? And do it with the right attitude. So faith causes us to judge God faithful. It makes a correct judgment. And allows God to benefit us, just like it did Sarah. Faith causes us to decide to trust God because he is trustworthy. Amen. Faith allows you to have a good, um, a good picture of God. See him as he really is. Uh, remember the, the parable of the talents, the, the people that had different levels of talents, the guy who only had one, and the Bible says God gave them according to their abilities. Now, if your ability is not, say, you're a, a one-talent ability and not a three, because we ain't never seen a ten. Ain't no tens in there, right? They just go up from one to three. So you don't have to shoot for the moon, you know, before you think you can get something from God. So if you're a one-talent ability, if you're faithful with that one talent, it looks like you get the same reward as the guy with three. So God's not rewarding your talents. He's rewarding your faithfulness over what talent you have. So you don't have to be have to try and do more than everybody else or be smarter than everything. God, you don't have to. You don't have to try to invent something great about yourself to please God. Just be faithful with the little bit he gave you. Amen? If your talent is making cookies, then make cookies to the glory of God. You don't have to make cookies, decorate houses, and tear down this and rebuild that. You don't have to do it all, Wonder Woman. Huh? All that crazy stuff. You really don't have to. All you have to be is faithful. And so the guy with the one talent no doubt despised the little he had. Then God say, don't despise the day of small things. The small will always grow. The large has to be maintained. It's a bigger job trying to work the large than it is to manage the small. 
So if the small is what you have and that's where you start, then you consider, but make sure your assessment of God is accurate according to the way God is. And the guy with the one talent went, went and hid it. Why? Because his assessment of who God was was wrong. What did he say about God? God, when he God called him into account for what he'd done with his little one little talent, God said, "I didn't give you too much to do." I didn't tell you to look at what everybody else had and see what they were doing it and decide if you was going to do what you're supposed to do or not. I didn't give you too much to do. In fact, I gave you what you asked me for. Be careful going asking for everything. Because you may not be able to manage everything properly before God. See, we all want the wealth we see uh, other Christians have. You know, everybody looks to that as their, if it's for you, you'll get there. But manage what you have right now, where you are right now. Be a good steward over what you have right now. And what helps you be a good steward is a proper evaluation of who God is. You look at all of these people in the Bible who were successful. They were successful because they had a proper vision and understanding and attitude of who God was. But the servant that that hid his talent said he did it for this reason. He told God to his face. He said, I knew you were an unjust master. You're a hard taskmaster. You ask me for too much. And you don't give me enough in return. Don't be shocked. We all been there. That's that's why people are reluctant to come to church on time. God, oh no, I can't get, no, uh-uh, I don't want to be there. Too busy. God's not going to reward me for that. Hmm? It's a hard task, Master. Nobody else comes on time. There are people here on time. You just don't know who they are because you're never here to know. But see, in your day when you sit out on the tree lawn, you'll wonder. I wonder if I, if I had been to church on time regularly. If maybe this wouldn't have happened to me. When you're sick and can't get healed. wonder if I spent more time reading some of those books I used to get signed with Pastor Barb and Pastor Shirley. I thought I was doing a big deal just buying a book from them. Supporting what they do. wonder if I'd taken time to read them. See, that's because your concept of who God is is wrong. But you don't think that's what the problem is, but it is. So you think God really won't reward you for being faithful, being diligent, being consistent and doing the things the right way, doing things with integrity, making sure your conscience is clear all the time about everything that you do because you're doing what you're supposed to do. It's just what you're expected to do. You're not doing anything extra. This is expected. You got me? Just because God didn't doesn't lower the boom on you, don't think, you know, don't get the I'm mocking God thing in you. Like you're getting away with something. Don't ever think you mock God. You'll never get away with that. 
know, some people struggle from beginning to end because they keep telling themselves that's not important. See, it's not so important that I do that or I'm too busy to. I'm telling y'all the truth now. Don't don't get don't get crazy. Don't get twisted. Don't think that if you say people think they get away with something because they didn't obey God and they got something anyway. You get something through disobedience, it'll be a noose around your neck. All it'll be an anchor and a weight in your life. Because it says, be ye not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Amen. So you can't just get what you got and then come back to God and think he's going to bless your life. By illegitimate means, you just get out in the flesh and go do anything you want to and come back and think God's going to bless you in your life. You're going to have a hard road. Till you get that straightened out with God, you're going to have a hard road. Because that deception will stay in your heart and it will stay in your life. Because what it really means is that you have a wrong idea about who God is. And that won't fly. Your faith won't work. You'll be hindered at every turn. You've got to have a right concept about God. God, even though this road is hard, even though I don't have everything everybody my age has right now, you're a fair God. You're a just God. If you're requiring this of me, it's for my own good, and I'm going to just do what i got to do, get my attitude right, and go forward and obey you. Amen. No shortcuts. No turning back. No trying to outsmart you. And think I'm getting over with something because I got it. And now I think I'm going to run off and enjoy it. Oh, no, you won't. Oh, no, you won't. Y'all understanding me? You understand me? And, And I'm just telling you from my heart what I understand about God. You've got to believe he's a loving, just, and fair God. And that if he requires something of you, it's for your own good and you must do it. You must do it. Amen? My husband's been dead for 15, well, 16, I don't remember. You know, after it gets past 10, you don't even count no more. But I don't date. You understand me? What would I look like running around here like I'm 20, 25 years old, and I'm supposed to be an example for you? Huh? Now, I'm not saying it's. it just feels wrong to me. Have somebody coming up, cart me somewhere. Man, you better get out of here. I got my corns soaking. This is three-hour corn soak for me. <laughs> I've been standing up preaching. Are you kidding me? Or getting on Facebook flashing a ring or something. Been there, done that. Huh? Uh, let's get real here. Let's just do what God requires. huh? Do what he requires. Let's get real. So the unjust servant was unjust because his concept of God was not right. See, when your idea about what God is, is he going to bless me if I do this? This is the whole thing. Is it going to be worth it for me to live holy before God and do what I know is right? Because if I do it, will he bless me? That's what everybody's question is. That's why we got disobedient people. 
because they think they're doing the best they know how to do and they're still waiting on their blessing and they get tired of doing right because they don't think God is going to bless them for doing right. And that's what the unjust servant did. He didn't give it his best. He went and buried his gift. I'm not going to sing for God. Now, how many singers do we know that came out of the church Met an early death, couldn't stay off drugs. Some of them are bigger cocaine addicts than street people are. Yeah, street people can do without it. Yeah, you know, I've known people weren't saved can quit taking drugs and drinking alcohol long enough to have a normal pregnancy and a normal baby and then go back to it again. And you get some of these crazy singers that leave the church and go out into the world. And they can't get off of it. They go to the best rehabs and the best is, you know what they need to do? Get on their face and really repent. Come back to the household of safety. But see, long ago, they started to resent singing for God because it didn't pay as much as people in the world. If you never get paid for singing. If you never get it, God is still a good God. It's still worth it to serve him. Who told you you're supposed to get paid for singing anyway? David didn't get paid for it. He's the biggest songwriter there ever was as far as writing for God. Huh? When he got to be of age, he said, listen, I lived a long time. He didn't live but 70 years. That was, you know, they cut it short back in the day. That was the law, the minimum according to the law. He said, but look, I've been young, I'm old. So I'm going to tell you one thing. God is faithful. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed out begging for bread. You couldn't see none of David's children out there without. Huh? And that's the best report you need to have about God, that he is a faithful God. He will never forsake you or your seed. It's worth serving him. Whatever he requires you to do, you do it with joy and with gladness. Why? Because he's too good a God for you not to serve and for you not to have a right attitude about it. Huh? Have the correct attitude about God if you don't have it about anything else. But don't ever think he's making you do too much and not blessing you enough. That's never true. So the unjust servant had an evil report about God and he received according to not so much what he did. Huh? But what he did was motivated by his evil thoughts toward God. He thought God was too mean, required too much. I'll never get it trying to do it God's way. You never tried yet. Huh? Seriously, you ain't really tried yet. Because once you try, you stick with it. Once you get in faith, you understand that you have been spared the most horrendous death that ever. That should have been you on that cross. If you think about that for about five good minutes, that'll convince you something. But see, we don't want to think about those things. Think about it for a minute. Oh, that's, that's just, you know, I just believe by faith. I'm saved. Well, yeah, it's good. But saved from what? Should have been you. Should have been me. Should have been every single one of us. So in that light, whatever God requires, other than your life, which you get to keep, amen, and be blessed on top of it. 
for doing next to nothing. You know what I'm saying? We don't do that much for God. We're not really required to do that much. Just worship him and serve him the best of our ability and be open to do more. Problem. Huh? Because <laughs> we all think we maxed out as far as obedience is concerned. Yeah, we praying for revival. Revival is 24-7 God. I got to get up and go to work. You don't even know work going to be there tomorrow. You got me? (laughs) Let's find out what God wants you to do in the here and the now. Amen. So faith causes us to judge God faithful. Judge God correctly. He is a faithful God. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what they may look like, no matter how dire they are. Turn your focus away from your circumstances and put them on the one true and living almighty God who loves you, gave his life for you, will give his life again, over and over again, go to bat for you over a hundred times, a thousand times, forgive you over 70 times seven in one day, loves you to the max, will do anything for you. That's the God that you serve. Amen. He's not requiring too much of you. Our problem is our lack of faith. See, faithful people will serve God regardless. It makes no difference what you have in your life. Your God is faithful. What difference does it make? But see, if you're looking at what you possess and judging God by what you have, you're making a very, very grave mistake. Amen. We all know the faith rules. Huh? According to your faith being unto you. If your life is a hot mess, it's because you call that hot mess into your life. You got me? By not trusting God. Hmm? So when are we going to get off the hot mess train and get on the you know, train of glory? Do it anytime you want to. Hmm? Trust, trust the living God. He's faithful. What more does he need to show you? Now you need to show him something. You got to show him you trust him. Man, that's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who trust him. But the Bible says justified people live by faith. The just shall live by faith. If you don't have faith, you won't live. You'll just be here, but you won't be living, not according to what God wants you to do. So pretty soon, most people who are just sitting on the sidelines kind of get in, in line with it. Well, maybe I'll start reading my word, using my word, and praying earnestly, expecting God to do things. Faithful people live in expectation of good. So your faith will cause you. That's part of the excellence that comes with faith is expectation of good. So you should get up every morning expecting God to answer. Don't get up dreading what your day is going to be like. And wondering what's going on. Ah, I live in expectation of good because I have faith that God is in everything that I'm doing today and I expect him to show up and bless me and leave me a good report and leave good things in, in my in my life. And so that's how justified people live. They live in anticipation of good, not anticipation of bad. You don't anticipate problems. They'll come on their own. 
But if you anticipate good, God will be there with you to meet every challenge and to meet every problem and to meet every difficulty. Man, he'll cause you to ride upon your high places. Things that used to seem overwhelming to you will be like nothing when you trust God. So know when you're trusting God. You know, and encourage other believers in the Lord. Encourage one another in God. You know, don't sit and let people complain and whine and and be discouraged and, and all of that. You know, my husband would get so mad at me because he said, that, that smile of yours, you know, when I, if he would say something and I wouldn't get upset about that smile of yours. He used to say he had some little word. He was some big word. He always tries to use 15-letter words. Oh, it's just disconcerting or something you say like that, you know. And I say, that's right, devil. I'm going to keep smiling, too, in Jesus' name. You understand me? I didn't say it to him, to his face, but I knew what I was dealing with. Because he needed to be converted so that he would come over and see the God that I serve. So how am I going to convince him to get converted by sitting up there commiserating with him? And every time he's down, I'm down. I'm not getting down there, too. If both of us get down, there'd be nobody to pick us up. Amen. So you just keep your joy. You keep your laughter. You keep your smile. You keep your this. You keep your that. You keep whatever you need. And make the devil mad. Amen. I don't care if it is in your crazy husband. Make the devil mad. Amen. Keep your joy. That's what keeps them off guard. Then pretty soon they get curious about why you smile all the time. Huh? It's called a hook. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you gotta. See, and faith, staying in faith and walking with God will help you to perceive things correctly. See, a lot of times women's husbands, they get upset and the women get nervous. you kidding me? And you don't ignore them either. You go pray. And you bind that stupid devil. I remember if I would, I would, my husband would get upset about things and I said, let me bind that devil before he even gets home today. Uh, I did. And that's how I lived in joy. I, you bind the devil. Don't let the devil walk in your house. Huh? And be angry and upset that, you know, I'll be glad when I get a better job. Yeah, me too. But I'm not going to jump down there in the toilet with you while you're down there flushing yourself down the crapper just because you want more. Huh? I'm not going to let it ruin my day. We'll get there. The way you get there is through the joy of God. You get there through serving God. You get there through studying the word, meditating on the word, staying focused. On what God has for you. You don't get there by complaining. Amen? Don't come in here with that noise. We ain't going there today. Amen? And that helps them. See? Binding they devils helps them. I'm serious. Come on now, y'all. Let's. You don't have to live your life tense. Huh? Absolutely not. Because the day will come. I remember the day came where he was sitting up there in his so-called music room where he listened to his jazz, sitting up there crying like a baby. So this is interesting. Stay on, brother. I had to put down what I was doing and come in there and park a little bit, see what was going on. I just was realizing how good God's been to me. Bingo. See, that's when all the years of binding the devil, all the years of praying, all the years of 
you understand that's when it pays off you got me is when they really find god i'm not talking about going to church and pretending i'm talking about really finding god where god jumps in there you thought you was gonna go in there and listen to some jazz and you went and sat down and god found you but for real though huh <laughs> right in your little jazz room uh, you thought God was off limits because you want to pray, pray your big speakers. I don't think so. Come right in the middle of your big speaker. huh? That's right. That's what you do. And so, and I'm not saying I did it perfectly. And I'm not saying that I didn't make mistakes. Because you do. But you keep going. Your heart is right. You know, you keep going. No, I'm at bigger fish to fry. God is bigger than my mistakes. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just. To forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm praying as a righteous woman right now because I'm after the big haul. See, if you can get beyond what you want out of the situation. Huh? Get out of what, well, my husband doesn't do this and he better do this and I want him to do this ain't your tune, this ain't your song, this ain't your story. Huh? I learned how to be the handmaiden of the Lord and never come out of that position. I'm his handmaiden, his his female servant. Huh? Amen. And I'm not ashamed of it. We've had we've even had uh uh ministers coming. God wants you to be more than a handmaiden. I said, Really? What does that mean? I can be like you? Be on every, be on every, uh, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, social media begging for people to follow you. No, no, thank you. I just assume be there. I know what he's called me to do. Amen. I'm going to stay in that zone till he moves me. If he don't move me, that zone is cool enough. You got me? Amen. So you got to judge God faithful. And be willing to pray. And don't pray what you want. You pray the will of God. I knew my husband needed to be saved and I knew he needed God because he was miserable. Huh? They're miserable because they don't have right relationship with God. And as long as you're looking at what just what you want and material things, they won't get the relationship with God. Huh? Oh, well, that, that went over like a stink bomb. See? See, in your life more than food and clothing yet? See, if you don't have it in a certain length of time, you ought to say, hmm, maybe my life is about more than this. Maybe I need to shift gears and start doing something God wants me to do for a change. Huh? All the rascals need to be prayed for. Young, old, rich, poor, white, black, green, brown, whatever, you know. They all need prayer. We all need prayer. But that's your job as the wife, as, as the sister, as the mom, as the aunt, as the whatever, to pray for them that they would find that place in God that God has ordained for them to have and occupy that place. Be satisfied running around, frustrated. You'll never get material things if you don't get this first. I have news for you. They, they just won't come to you. They won't come to you. And pray that these men will be godly and that they will pray. They will take, you know, why do you want to initiate prayer all the time? 
I remember when my husband started telling me, let's pray about so-and-so. People would come to our house. I said, ooh, well, let me just adjust here. I, like Rip Van Winkle. It's been 20 years I've been sleeping. <laughs> you just come into a new realm. But he started little by little to find where he was supposed to be in God and operate there. You got me? And so that's your reward for being a faithful servant. That's the reward of a faithful God to somebody who is doing the best they can. I wasn't doing the best. There's many times I want to cuss him out. Huh? And did. And I repented. Not proud of it, but I did. Uh, it seemed to be all that was left for me. <laughs> that was all the tools I had, God. Where's my gun? Where's my knife? <laughs> you know, he's trivia, your carnal weapon, you got the tongue left, you know. And then he makes you stop doing that. You got me? So you quit being so frustrated. You don't get saved. I'm, uh, <laughs> whatever. We don't even know what salvation is hardly ourselves. You know what I'm saying? But but God will help you through these things. But I'm telling you, you got enough time to help people be spiritual. You ain't got enough time to get them to do what you want them to do. Let's be real here. You put the things of the Spirit first, and all that little stuff will come to to you. You know, I used to have wanted a, a, a diamond solitaire because I didn't get one. I felt shortchanged when I was engaged. Didn't know the Lord, didn't have sense enough to know anything about anything. But I just felt that way off and on. And God, I didn't even pray for it, and God saw that. He saw that. And that, that ring came so easily, it shocked me. In fact, it shocked me so bad, I got mad at God because he didn't make my husband pay for it. <laughs> that means. <laughs> I'm just being honest with y'all. Can we, can we, can we talk? Can we, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, and I can't say that my spirituality earned it for me. Let me just put it that way. You understand what I'm saying? But God will give you the desires of your heart, and you may not even feel so deserving. You got me? You just, he's that good. So there's no reason for us not to judge God faithful and be willing to serve him no matter what. Amen? I know I got a lot of rough edges. To <laughs> like like Prophet Waller said, don't run him off. Where do you get that from? Made you think such a thing. <laughs> it's always my intention to scare some poor man into marrying me or leaving, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's these things we have to trust God for, and faith will help us. And I'm not saying your faith is going to feel like it's going to help you move mountains, but you express the faith that you have. You're not trying to conjure up some great big faith to impress God and make sure you can get what you get. You use what you have. You put it toward God. Your your confidence is in him. It's not in you and how great you can do things. So if, if we remember that, that faith will help us to feel certain ways in our spirit about things. To give you that confidence, that desire for excellence, that desire to go the extra mile with God because he's worth it. Where you judge God a good God, no matter what bad is in your life, he's still a good God. No matter what has befallen you, he is still a good God and he's going to bring you out of this and going to bring you out with a high hand and an outstretched arm. Do Believe like that. 
Keep that in in your mind and your heart about God. And I'm telling you, your faith won't fail you. It'll do great things for you, even when you feel it's not that that wonderful. You got me? Just turn to God. He's the one that has everything to help you. Amen. Why don't we stop? Well, Father, we do thank you for understanding and understanding of your word and all of the things that are good in life, Lord. And we bless you and we praise you. We thank you for all of the people who are here, Lord, that they have been assembled because you have drawn them here. So we honor you, Lord, and we love you and we thank you in Jesus.